Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody. This is the Grace for This City podcast. Hey, we're helping you turn cities upside down. That's right, your very city. Hallelujah. You know, there's several places in the Bible where he talks about praying for the city into which you have been led into. Now, ultimately, he was talking about to the uh, Israelites who were led away captive, and he said, I want you to pray for the prosperity and the well-being of that city because when it prospers and it is uh, in a good condition and state, then you will find your prosperity in it as a result. And so listen, friends, God has not just left you somewhere. He has placed you somewhere to set things in order to right wrongs, to fill in gaps, to uh, reveal Christ. Hallelujah. And our goal on the podcast is to encourage you and to motivate you to do that right there, friends, to get out there and get some stuff done for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, it would be our honor if you know somebody that doesn't get the content, the podcast via some sort of digital format, but they still use CDs. It would be our honor to mail them one at no charge. I've got one right here. This one's called Don't Doubt, episode 110. And uh, the Lord said, just to get the word out there, if there's a particular podcast that really blessed you and you think it would be a blessing to someone else, and the way that they would get that is on CD, again, reach out to us, send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv, and we'll mail that to them at no charge. Hallelujah. Wow. Let me share a project that we are in the beginning stages of. We're calling it the Studio Project. We have a building on our property, a facility on our property that uh, the Lord has highlighted that would be a great studio. And so we're wanting to expand what we're able to do. And in that facility, we believe we can fit three uh, studio sets. We can do an interview style. We can expand the podcast studio. And we can also do what we are calling like a Quippers Academy and University. We can film materials that will go out around the world that will help people grow and develop themselves in Christ Jesus. If you would like to partner with us in the building out of that facility, uh, equipping it with the uh, with the right equipment, we would be so honored to have you on board with that. We can do more together. Several ways you can find out about that. Of course, you can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. I'm asking you prayerfully consider helping us build that studio out. As far as the podcast goes, this new studio will allow us to do more things in this style and in this format, so we're excited about that. All right, let's jump into the episode today, and uh, I want to talk about the time in which you and I are living in. You know, we can know times and seasons. We may not know exact hours or days. In fact, there was a... um, There was a... um, an Old Testament feast, a celebratory feast. They still celebrate it today. But it, uh, the start of that feast was called the day that no one knows. And um, very interesting that we can know times and seasons. We may not know the exact hour or the day, but we can know times and seasons. So, friends, we are not totally lost as to what God is doing. We have a seven-day revealed work week in the scriptures. And the seventh day, prophetically, is the millennial reign. That's the Sabbath reign. It's it's the millennial reign. It's a time of peace, a time of rest, where Jesus Christ is ruling the nations. Hallelujah. Um, and then after that, the eighth day, which, you know, historically, the the start of the next week for the, for the Jews, even though it was the first day of the following week, they called it the eighth day because eight's the number of new Beginnings, they would say it's the eighth day, the start of the new week, even though it just started the cycle over. Well, that's the eternal state, and the Bible's not too clear on what all that will encompass, but really, we are eight-day people. Hallelujah. We are anticipating the total fulfillment of the plan that's been revealed in the seven days that the Bible encompasses. And so, I say all that to say that we can know, we can know. Remember, it's the spirit of Issachar 
we can know our times and our seasons and what we should do in relation to what God has already foretold and revealed to us. The Bible is a book of prophecy, friends. We're not running around blind with our heads cut off. There may be mysteries. Come on, what are mysteries? They are hidden things, but they're not hidden from us. They are hidden for us until the time that we can come to the revealing of it. And so I want to talk about the time that you and I are living in. Now let's start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start there really quick. and We're going to jump around a little bit here because we, we got to have scriptures. Hallelujah. This is our guidebook. And uh, so let's start here, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But he says, but know this, that in the last days, last days, come on, somebody, are we in the last days? I am finding an increasing number of people that are annoyed with that phrase, last days. Um, That reminds me, though, of what Peter prophesied about. He said, that spirit of mocking, a mocking spirit. Yeah, and and it sounds something like this. You know, I've been talking about the last days for thousands of years. Yeah, the last two days of the work week, (laughs) day five and day six, are the last days. Acts chapter two, is it? When the spirit was poured out, Peter stood up and said, hey, this is that which Joel prophesied. He introduced the entrance into the time period that you and I know, biblically speaking, prophetically speaking, these last two days, last 2,000 years are known as the last days. When the Spirit was poured out, uh, Peter, by way of Holy Spirit, connected the prophecy of Joel to the entrance of the last days. Then by the time we get to 2 Timothy chapter 3, Holy Spirit is again revealing to us what uh, these last days are and how we will know when we are uh, right up on the end of the second day, the last days. All right, now let's look at this word here. But know this, that in the last days, see that phrase there? That phrase comes from the Greek word eschatos eschatos. We get the word eschatology, which is the study of the last things or the end of time um, or the end of days. Well, what days are we talking about here? The last two days of the work week, right before the Sabbath day or the millennial reign, the 1,000 years of peace and rest. Hallelujah. Eschatos is the study of those things. But um, here, uh, or eschatology is the study of those things. Here that word is eschatos, translated last days. Now this word always points to the ultimate end of a thing, such as the last month of the year, or the last week of the month, or the last day of the week, or the very extreme end of an age. Or we could say that eschatos does not merely describe the last days in general, it depicts the very last of the last days. It was used in classical Greek literature to depict a place furthest away, such as the very ends of the earth. It was also used as a nautical term in classical Greek literature to describe the last port or the intended destination on a mapped journey. The last destination on a mapped journey. Listen, this thing's been mapped out, friends. Psalm 139, 16 David had this revelation that all the days of our life were written in his book. Listen, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Aleph, that's the Hebrew, and the Tav, that's the last uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Alephbet. And uh, he has already been to the destination, friends. He's already been into our future. He's already mapped it out. He's already determined the end point and then then came all the way back here to where you and I are. And he turned to us and he said, follow me. Well, where are we going? to his destination. Eschatos is that destination. And the Bible is a mapped journey. There is a work of God throughout the ages here. And we see this work of God. The Bible reveals it. It's it's prophetic towards the conclusions and the outcomes. And uh, this, this end of days or the fullness of the times or the, um, end of all things, the fullness of of the times, last days, end of days, the uh, culmination. Uh, We could also say the maturing. It all points to the same thing, the conclusion of God's plans, his plans as it concerns 
man. It's been prophesied. I and mean, we've got the books of prophecy in the Old Testament. They lay out the um, they they lay out the plan. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank the Lord for it. So this word eschatos, again, nautical term, and it was used to describe the last port or the last intended destination on a mapped journey. It also describes something that is final. So he says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, this is an emphatic uh, admonition here. He says, this is something you need to know. The word know there in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, but know, it's the second word in the New King James, but know this is the Greek word gnosko. The word gnosko is a commonly used word that is normally translated knowledge. But in this particular verse, Paul used gnosko in the present imperative tense, which means this message is so critical that it must be known, must be recognized, it must be acknowledged. Wherever Holy Spirit, or excuse me, whatever Holy Spirit is about to say, it is so important that hearing is not optional. It is a must hear. This is a must understand message. We must understand it. Holy Spirit is telling us something that we must emphatically know, recognize, acknowledge, and understand. What is it? That perilous times are going to come at the end of the last days. Now, why is this important? Perilous times is separate from tribulation period. By the way, tribulation is also known as Jacob's trouble. Are you Jacob? Are you Israel? Let me answer that question. No, you are not. If you are born again, you are not Israel. There are prophetic promises that concern Israel. There are three groups of people listed in the New Testament uh, as God sees them. They're uh, listed as the church, the Jews, or we could also say Israel and or Jacob, the earthly Jews, the uh, Jews of promise and inheritance, the uh, the elect or the selected, okay? And then the last group of people is the nations. Whenever we just see the oceans of people, they're typically referred to as the nations, all right? And so, uh, or they're also referred to as waters in some other places as, as well. But there's three groups of people, the church, the Jews, and the nations. The tribulation concerns only two groups of people. It's judgment for the nations, and it's judgment for the Jews who Zechariah prophesies that they will come through their trouble. They will come through their judgment. And they will come through that in uh, hopes that they will recognize what they have done. Zechariah promises Jesus appears to them when he uh, steps down on the Mount of Olives. Of course, you and I are with him at that return. So we didn't go through Jacob's trouble because we returned with Christ. And Zechariah foretells that they will look upon him who they pierced. Jesus Christ is who they pierced. They will look upon him and there will be such a spirit of grace and repentance come over them uh, that they will mourn and weep and they will repent for what they have done their rejection of their Messiah. And then a fountain, Zechariah prophesies, that a fountain of cleansing will be opened up unto them and they will be cleansed, purged from their sin. Hallelujah. And be brought in to the millennial reign as the uh, Jerusalem that is established on the earth, which will uh, be the base from which Jesus and the earthly Jews will rule the nations of the earth. You and I... Uh, will have just returned with Jesus at that point because we're not appointed to Jacob's trouble. We're not appointed to wrath. We're not appointed to the tribulation. Now, this uh, letter, the reason why I'm saying all this is because we need to understand that we're not talking about tribulation times. The, the, those That seven-year period, and particularly the last half of that, is going to be so just wild, crazy, the Bible says in multiple places, that it will surpass any other event in the history of the world. It, that, that's how chaotic, that's how uh, crazy, there's, there's going to be so much death, dying, destruction, judgment, uh, that it will far surpass any other happening, any other event 
that the earth has ever faced before. In fact, there will never be another uh, situation as tremendous, no other moment of judgment as great as this in that tribulation, seven-year tribulation period. The church, friends, the born-again believers, the new creation in Christ Jesus are not appointed to that. We do not have an appointment with wrath, but the Jews do and the nations do. All right, now, again, let me get back to this. So I wanted to make a distinction because when the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and he wrote this letter in 2 Timothy chapter 3, who's, who's it written to? It's not a prophetic letter concerning the nations. It's not a prophetic letter concerning the Jews. It is written excuse me, it is written to the church. So you and I know this is written to us. This is a part of our futures. This is concerning what you and I will face. Now, where does perilous times fall? Perilous times are a lead-in to a tribulation period. You have to understand that there will be some peace brokered. Uh, Israel is going to broker some sort of peace. You know, do you see this globalist agenda going on in the nations right now? Everything is a setup. Everything is a lead-in. And there has to be certain things in place. There's going to be somebody stand up. The, the United Nations right now, uh, I'll have to find the exact article. You can find it. You can go to their website. You can find it. I don't know the title of it right now. I have read it. I will get it at some point and share it with you if you want to know more about that. But you can look it up too. But literally, the UN is anticipating somebody to rise up. They are hoping for a single person to rise up that will unite the world together. Uh, it's already in their writings. It's, they've already spelled it out. They've already anticipated it. Now, according to the Bible prophecy, you and I would probably know that person as the Antichrist. It's some charismatic, some somebody or other that's going to have supernatural abilities. They're going to broker some peace. And uh, the first few years of, of, of the tribulation will be this sense of peace and unity, although it has very nefarious intentions and agenda behind it. The last three and a half years of the tribulation is when it's going to get really crazy. And he's going to try and wipe the Jews out off the face of the earth, among other things. But what's the lead in to that? Perilous times. You and I are still here on the earth during perilous times. And the Holy Spirit is warning us so that we will know in advance what it is that we're going to have to face, navigate, prepare for, and uh, overcome. Hallelujah perilous times. Not the same as judgment per se. It's not tribulation. It's a, a type of tribulation. Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulations, but it's different from the appointment of judgment. Hallelujah, somebody. All right. So he's letting us know that one way you will know you are at the very end of the last Days. Remember, Acts chapter 2, Peter signals, tells us uh, that we entered into the beginning of these last days. We've been in these last days for the last 2,000 years, the last two, two days, last 2,000 years, two days, last 2,000 years. Now, Holy Spirit's telling us how you will know when you are at the very end. You're coming upon the last part of this mapped journey as it concerns the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. You will know because the last of the last of the last, the very extreme end of the last days, is marked by perilous times. All right, now let's dig into that word right there. What is perilous? Well, um, the word perilous comes from the Greek word kalipos. It's a word that is used only two times in the whole of the New Testament Bible. And um, it's used to describe a time where the environment will be hurtful, harsh, cruel, ruthless, cutting, and even potentially wounding. The word means hard to bear. Now, this is written to the church, friends. Hallelujah. This isn't uh, tribulation. It's kalipos, and it's a lead-in to tribulation times. It's a setup for the Antichrist to broker some sort of peace throughout the earth, which is a uh, it's a sham, it's a smokescreen, but it's but it's a lead-in to be able to set up a globalist, um, you know, uh, cooperation, which you and I know right now is already in the works. I mean, are you paying attention to what's going on? 
in the world right now, even in our own nation? Are you paying attention to the various ideologies that are being, you know, pushed, 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 shoved, shoved, even on children getting into the schools? You know, have you noticed the framing? There's a word for it. There's a word for it. The ideology that's taken over the majority of our higher learning institutions, you know, it is very anti, it's ultimately anti-Christ, but it has an outworking, it's anti-American. Come on, somebody. Are you paying attention? It's a, it's a setup. It's all a setup. Hallelujah. All a setup. Things have to be in place in order for the film, fulfillment of prophecy. And so everything's getting in its place right now. We don't have to worry about going through tribulation. Uh, our concern right now is navigating perilous, navigating Kalipos. All right, so Kalipos, Kalipos used only twice, once here in 2 Timothy 3.1, once in Matthew 8.28. But Kalipos is used to describe, in classic literature, it was used to describe animals that are vicious, ferocious, fierce, unruly, uncontrollable, unpredictable, and dangerous. In nearly every place where this Greek word kalipos is used in secular literature of the ancient world, it depicts something that is harmful or an environment that is besieged with high risk and or danger. Again, the only other time that this word kalipos is used, we read it right here in 2 Timothy 3.1, the only other time that it's used, again, is Matthew 8.28. And Matthew used this word to describe the two demon-possessed men that Jesus encountered. Let me read the passage to you. It says, And when he, Jesus, was come to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, there met Jesus two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. We know from Mark's account one of them was called Legion. And here's what uh, Matthew says. He says, these two men were exceedingly fierce, exceedingly fierce. The word fierce is the word kalipos, all right? So that, uh, Matthew goes on to say, so that no man might pass by that way. The phrase, again, exceeding fierce, exceedingly fierce used here in Matthew 8, 28, is a translation of the Greek word kalipos, and because the word kalipos is used right there to describe these two demon-possessed men, it most certainly describes that they were vicious, ferocious, fierce, unruly, uncontrollable, unpredictable, and even dangerous. If you read the entire story in Matthew's gospel, it becomes clear that the people who lived in the region of the Gadarenes kept a safe distance from these two men because they knew that being too close to them would likely be putting their lives in danger. Of course, Jesus faces it head on. That's what he does. He is the head, and he always goes first, friends. Jesus faced these guys, and here's what's interesting. He sets a precedent. Now, two things we need to understand from these two passages, Matthew 8 and 2 Timothy chapter 3. Number one, we need to understand that Jesus as the head has already gone ahead of us and has encountered Kalipos or perilous times, and he has set the precedent and the example how we, the body, are to pass along. Listen, the head always goes first. And you go all the way back to um, Joshua, and they're at this river crossing, and there's a phrase in the Bible, it's fascinating, and he says this, let the Ark of the Covenant go on ahead of us because we've never been this way before. So what happens? The presence of the Lord goes first. The head goes first. Jesus goes first. Then the body follows suit because the body doesn't know where, where to go except it follows after the head. Head sets precedent. Body follows suit. Here Jesus already encountered Kalipos. So prophetically speaking, he set the precedent on how you and I are going to act and react and how we're to demonstrate ourselves when you and I, when it's time for you and I to also go that way. Because it's time to go that way, friends. Hallelujah. We've never been this way before, but we're going this way now. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So number two thing that we need to recognize, Holy Spirit is emphatically and explicitly letting us know who. Not the nations. This letter wasn't written to the nations. This letter wasn't written to the Jews specifically. 
This letter was written to the ecclesia, the new creation in Christ Jesus, the called out ones, those who are now body, bride, and temple. This letter's written to the church. And he's saying, I'm telling you emphatically, you need to know this, that when you come upon the very end of the last days, those moments, those hours will be marked by unpredictable, fierce, ferocious, uncontrollable, dangerous, vicious, hurtful, and even hard-to-bear times. Wow. He says, you're, 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 you're going to know you've reached the end because it will be significantly, significantly marked by demonic activity. Have you paid attention to the news recently? Uh, I was fascinated to even see some of these news outlets even signifying things that are going on right now as explicitly demonic. Hallelujah. Listen, even it's being known, friends. You and I, where are we? Where are we in the timeline? I'm telling you, friends, we're right at the very end. You and I are a finishing generation. We are anointed to finish, friends. Finish what? To bring the thing in. To bring it to a close. Hallelujah. You are, uh, you and I are in those days. Hallelujah. Um, so he's saying these days are going to be marked. Uh, they will be explicitly demonic. Now let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me read something to you in verse 2. So he just said, you need to know this. Gnosko. You need to understand this. You need to understand uh, what I'm saying. And he says, the last of the last, the very few the few remaining moments of the very end are going to be marked by this uh, perilous or kalipos. That's how you're going to know. You're going to know you're there because it's crazy. Hallelujah. Verse 2, though, he says, for men, this is all part of this um, perilous times. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, no self-control. They won't have any self-control. That's an earmark of these times. No self-control. Brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors. You see any of that going on? Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the dunamis or the ability to be transformed. Listen, a lot of people want to have the show. They 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 want to look the part. They they want to have a podium. They want to have a church. They want to have the get up, the gear. But 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 they deny the dunamis, which that isn't specifically referring to like uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, say. It's literally denying the power that transforms you into a witness of Jesus Christ himself. I'm telling you the blasphemy that's coming out of the pulpits right now. Absolute trash coming from this woke church. Uh, I mean, it, you talk about... Uh, a foreshadowing of the Antichrist is the Antichrist spirit that is filling the mouths and the podiums of so many different uh, uh, quote-unquote, quote-unquote churches. We don't call, I mean, they're not the real church, friends. They're not the real church. It's a facade. It's a, it's a fake. Whenever anybody denies the transforming power of Jesus, they're pushing a message of love and tolerance, and they say, Jesus just loves me as I am. He loves you, but he never intended to leave you untransformed, untransfigured. Uh, the, the dunamis that he brings, the power that's in that gospel, totally recreates you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And people want to stay in their perversion and claim Jesus, and that is, that is Antichrist. And that's what he's saying here. They have a form. They look the part. They got little collars. They got podiums. They got churches. They have 501c3s. They have ministries. They got all this stuff. They got the lingo. They carry Bibles with them, but yet they deny the transforming power of the very gospel that they hold in their hands. Hallelujah, somebody. He's saying this is earmarking this Kalipos. He says, turn from these people. Turn from these people. You know, there's a whole message out here talking about being friends with the world. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're not to befriend the world. We're friendly. We're kind, but we are messengers of transformation, friends. And anybody that wants to stay in their filth, the Bible says it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. There are a lot of people 
that just love eating their own vomit. It is absolutely a delusional reality that people are living in. By the way, what is the word delusion? Look it up. The actual definition for the word delusion is a resistance to a confrontation with truth. People that are delusional have resisted truth on some level, whether that is uh, literally if it gets over into like clinical insanity. What are insane people? What are people that are, quote, not in their right mind? It's somebody who has yielded, come on, their minds, their imagination, their thought space, their soul. They have yielded their soul uh, to demonic beings, and they're trapped in insanity or delusion. What do they need? They need an encounter with truth. Jesus Christ can set them free. Listen, clinically insane people can be healed. They can be healed. They can be delivered. They can come out from that and come into their right mind with the word, hallelujah, with the power of Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for it. And we're seeing total delusion right now. I mean, people are out of their mind. Where is their mind? It's, it's been hijacked by, by, by demonic influence. It's been hijacked by lies. Oh, Father, he, he can save them. He can deliver them. But we have to yield to that confrontation. We have to yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, so he says this. Turn away from these people that have this form but deny the power that brings transformation. Don't have anything to do with them. Then he says, for these people, they creep in the households. And uh, they uh, make captives. Here, the New King James says gullible women. That's obviously included, but gullible men too. These sort, they creep in and they take captive gullible people who are already loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Listen, wow, what? I mean, do you see that happening right now? There are people that are already struggling with... uh, certain perversions, twistings, sins, lusts. And you have these people that look like ministers of Jesus. They, they, they carry a Bible. They have uh, the language of Jesus and, Christ, and you know, uh, Christianese. They have all this language, but they're creeping into people's homes and subverting the lusts and the perversions that are already in these people's hearts, subverting it and slapping a Jesus sticker on it and saying, you're okay in your filth. Those are the people that you earmark. Those are dangerous folks right now. And uh, they're very pervasive. Uh, it seems like there is a movement right now that is championing, quote, Jesus. But I'm telling you, what an offense, friends. What, an, what a blasphemy that we would be championing Jesus and giving Jesus, telling these people that Jesus is giving his stamp of approval for the filth that you're living in. He's saying these are the people that are creeping into homes. And they're able to creep in because they are taking advantage of the bondages that people are already in. I'm telling you, if you are affirming somebody's delusion, friends, you are in this verse. And I'm telling you, uh, there is um, uh, not a very friendly day coming for you. Hallelujah, somebody. He says, these people, they're always learning, but they never quite come to the knowledge of the truth. Who is the truth? Truth is a person, friend, and his name is Jesus. And they are all about him. Something that was uh, not new to Jesus. You know, I'm thinking of the story where the woman was, you know, with the issue of blood, she pressed in through the crowd and she got healed. I mean, how many dozens, hundreds of people, thousands maybe, of people were all pressing around Jesus. They were all moving in and around him, yet only one pressed in because they had a revelation of who he really was. Listen, do not be fooled by all these people that are around Jesus. They have Bibles. They, they have the lingo. They have the outfits. They have the buildings. Everything looks like they may be a part and in the household of God. And, and they have all this knowledge, 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 this gnosis, gnosis, gnosis. They have all this stuff, 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 stuff. All They have the gear. They have the outfits. It's play acting. They, they, they had all this knowledge, but they never quite come to the very thing that they really need. And that's just an encounter with Jesus himself. 
Now look at verse 8. This is very interesting, and this is in keeping with verse 1, perilous times. What is perilous times? Well, according to the law of first usage, perilous time specifically and particularly denotes an atmosphere or a time or a period or a place that is in particularly marked with demon activity. Verse 8 substantiates this because guess who shows up again? Now, as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men and or women, mankind, those generally what is saying here, mankind of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, disapproved concerning the faith. There are people, you know, I watched something the other day. I mean, there are people, like I said, they, they got the get up, they got the church. I mean, it says Jesus, they carry a Bible, you know, I don't know what version, doesn't matter, they carry a Bible. They have all the language, they have the language. They say, turn the chapter and verse, they do this and this, but they are disapproved concerning the faith, friend. Disapproved. I just watched a video this morning of ministers that are, I mean, they are peddling a filthy message and yet saying Jesus has given his stamp of approval on it. He is, they are saying it's okay. They, listen, this is the kind of stuff creeping in the households, creeping in because they're not being censured. They're not being docked. Uh, and so they're being promoted algorithms, mathematical equations, algorithms, social algorithms, social algorithms. They're being promoted, pushed. They're creeping in through these various outlets, and they're giving people Jesus. It's, I mean, they're saying Jesus approves of what you're doing, and they are subverting, taking advantage of, exploiting people who are already trapped in their own filth and sin and saying Jesus approves of what you're doing. He said, these people are already disapproved concerning the faith. They are men of corrupt minds, and they are uh, taking advantage of gullible people. Now, Janice and Jambres. Who's Janice and Jambres? That's very interesting. Janice and Jambres are or were, because they were literal um, men that lived in the time of Moses, and they just so happened to be Pharaoh's court, uh, uh, court magicians. Now, here's the thing about Janice and Jambres. These two men typify something. Remember, the spirits behind the scenes don't die. They are eternal spirits. Demons are eternal spirits. They don't die. They don't cease to exist. Nobody ceases to exist, friends. And this is what's so amazing about the eternal judgment that will befall so many people if they reject the truth now is they will literally be condemned uh, forever. There's no escaping and there's no release. There's no parole, friends. Uh, it is eternal. This eternal punishment, uh, condemnation to the lake of fire is eternal. But the spirits behind Janice and Jambres, they're, they're, they're still working today just like they were thousands of years ago uh, when they were working and resisting Moses. But Janice and Jambres, very interesting. These two guys' names show up here because it's, it, it's, it's revealing something. Janice and Jambres were the most powerful magicians in the known world at that time. And those spirits that were working in and through them are still on the earth or still ruling from the second heaven one. They're still influencing mankind. Janice and Jambres show back up here in what time period? Well, the outworking of it appears again in the Kalipos moment or in the very end of the last days. The fact that these guys are listed here, again, substantiates what Kalipos is. When Jesus encountered the two demoniac men, very interesting, it was two there, right? One of them, we know from Mark's account, was called Legion. And these are very strong, very demonstrative, very powerful demonic workings behind the scenes. Well, in Kalipos, you and I encounter that again. And look at um, verse 13, and it says this about Kalipos, about perilous times. In this time period, in the very end of the end, there's something that's ramped up. 
evil men and imposters. That's, that's an okay word, but the, the actual Greek word there is a Greek word enchanters. It says they will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What does that tell us? Is that the outworking of demonic uh, prowess in this, this, these last moments, the, Mark, the last few days, the last few moments of the last few days, excuse me, the very last port, the last um, stopping point for us is marked by this increase in evil and magic, if you will, sorcery, witchcraft. These days are marked by these things being right out in the open. Oh, wow. And this is why he said, you need to know this. You need to know this. It's not to scare us, it's to prepare us. Uh, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But listen, should you be shocked when you come come upon, you know, a demonstrative outworking of demonic power that you're just unfamiliar with, uh, he's giving us something to settle ourselves, to prepare ourselves for what you and I are going to be facing. Again, nothing to be afraid of, just something you need to prepare for. Now, let me share with you a prophetic word that my spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagin, shared back in the 80s. Listen to this. He said, in this move of God that is just about to spring upon you. Come on, somebody. I think it has sprung on us. We're in the beginnings of it. Hallelujah. He says, there will be a manifestation of casting out demons that you haven't seen yet. Now, some have drawn back from casting out demons and the Spirit of God said, I began to move along that line a few uh, years back, but men aborted that move. They mixed some of their own thinking on it, and they tried to control it and do it according to a pattern and according to this way and, or that way or the way that we think it ought to be done. But you haven't seen anything yet of what you are going to see. Listen, friends, I'm, I'm telling you, it's because we haven't come upon perilous yet. Prior to this, you're, you're talking about in decades past, we didn't, we weren't coming upon that last port yet. You know, if you're talking about nautical term, that, that intended destination was still out ahead of us. But I'm telling you, we've come upon it now. We've come upon it now. We may be offloading into it now. We may be standing on the very port that was our intended destination, about to step into an environment that is besieged with Kalipos with perilous, with demonic activity. Have you noticed? Have you looked? Are you aware? <laughs> Just listen to the language. Listen to the language. Watch what's going on. I mean, we're talking about all kinds of things. I mean, we're, we're talking about, I, I mean, the conspiracies are all over the spectrum. But what is the common thread? Something nefarious is, is working behind the scenes. That's Kalipos. That's perilous, friends. Hallelujah. And it shouldn't uh, concern us in this sense uh, because it was foretold. But I'm just telling you, we're here now. He says, you haven't seen anything yet of what you are going to see in dealing with demons. Why? Because you had not come up on it yet. But we're here now. For demons are loose upon the earth, and they're going about as never before because they know their time. Come on, the time. The time is short. And so in this multiplication, this advance of demon activity, how do you substantiate that with Scripture? 2 Timothy 3.13, it says it will grow worse and worse. Now, I believe that has like a double meaning. Like the uh, uh, number of those practicing these dark things is increasing. Look at how many people get swept up into this. I mean, if you want to kind of dig into a little bit of some conspiracy theories uh, start looking at how uh, uh, witchcraft, dark arts, how that's being weaved into so many different segments of our society. Hallelujah. I mean, just a couple years ago, there was a particular movement, uh, and uh, they were championing uh, certain things. Well, the, uh, and I don't want to say that out loud, or I get my, my podcast censored on every platform for speaking against it, but... Uh, the leaders of this particular movement, um, uh, you know, that were, um, you know, the second letter of the alphabet, you know, movement. And uh, the leaders of that movement, uh, second letter of the alphabet, 
BLM movement, uh, the leaders of that movement gave an interview about how they were conjuring up their ancestors. What, what is it? This was witchcraft. This was, uh, uh, you know, they were conjuring up demon spirits that were taking the form of people that they were familiar with. By the way, you're not talking to your dead relatives. You're talking to a demon spirit that can look like your dead relative. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, in those instances there. Anyways, and the, the witchcraft, the sorcery, the enchanting that was going on, uh, right, I mean, right out in the open. And that was years ago. It is on another level today, friends. What is that? It is Kalipos. What is that? It is perilous times. A time marked, earmarked by this level of demonic activity. Evil men and seducers. So the number of people practicing, engaging, indulging, uh, playing around with these things, that number is increasing. And then the other meaning of that phrase in 2 Timothy 3.13 is that the outworking of that is on another level. The knowledge of some of those things has increased. People have are going further in some of those um, manifestations and demonstrations than they've ever been before. It's a progression of sorts, friends. And even that dark world has been in the same progression that those of the light have been in, just in a dark sense. So back to this prophecy. He says, you're, you're going to see things you've never seen before. That's why you need to know where you're at in the time that you are living in, friends. He says, um, and in this multiplication, in this advance of demon activity, there will also be activity of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's the good news, friends, is that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter. We are on a progression. We are on an increase. Hallelujah. And he says this, that um, demons that have harassed men and demons that have held ministries in check will leave. Why? Because they're confronted with the light. They're confronted with the light. That's what the light does. The light turns, you know, reveals the things that are hiding, lurking, sneaking, crawling, creeping around in the dark. The light shines in the dark place and reveals what's going on so that you can address it. The light has authority over, over the darkness. And he says, and you have not seen yet of what you will see in the area of dealing with demons, casting out demons, excite, uh, exercising authority over demons. And we are about to step into it like you would step into a door into another room. I'm telling you, we're here, friends. We're here. Now, let me give you this. Go over to, and we'll bring this episode to a close today. Let's look at 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter. Oh, hallelujah. You were born for this time, friends. You say, I don't know if I can handle it. Yes, you can. His grace is sufficient. Isn't that what he told Peter? Or, excuse me, isn't that what he told Paul? Paul was being harassed, buffeted. You know what the, the, the word buffet means? It means to harass with words. It means to punch or strike with the fist. Uh, God did not assign that demon to Paul, by the way. It was not an eye problem. Uh, it was not some sort of skin disease or issue. He didn't have a knee problem or hip problem. It had nothing to do with that. The thorn in the flesh was a demon. That's what the thorn in the flesh was. It was a demon. And uh, it was assigned to him by Satan, this messenger, to buffet him, to harass him to harass him with words, to insult him, to strike him with a fist is how that's used in other areas. Uh, that's, that was the bombardment that he was facing. Three times, three times, Paul said, Lord, take it from me. Every time, come on, what did the Lord respond? He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. God did not assign the demon to him. He's not assigning demons to us. Satan is the Lord of the flies. What do flies do? They annoy you. They harass you. They, they just get in your way. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
Now look at verse 7. We're going to look at verse 7, then we're going to look at verse 12. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. The end, friend, of all things is at hand. We're at the end. We are at the end. Some people think, no, this is just the beginning. Well, we're not in the millennial reign yet. I mean, you got to jump through some serious uh, liberal theology, spiritualization, allegorical hoops to wind up that we are in the millennial reign right now. We are not in the millennial reign yet. We are coming upon the end of the work week, the six day that we're given to man. We're at the end of that. Soon, come on, Jesus is going to lead us into the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. We're not in that yet. We're close. We're very close. But he's saying the end of all things, the end of the work week, the end of the six days. We're right here at the very end, and it's marked. And he says you need to be serious and watchful in your prayers. Why? Because it's perilous, friends. It's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. It's ferocious. It's fierce. It's uh, th- these, these, these monsters out here are uncontrollable. Hallelujah. And they're going around throwing a fit like never before. Now go down to verse 12. He says, beloved, okay, he just told us we're at the end, all right? Timothy, we know we're at the end, perilous. What's he saying? Beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. Listen, there is some crazy stuff going on out here. Don't think it's strange, friends. Hallelujah. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Hallelujah. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Don't do stupid stuff, friends. We don't go around murdering people. Come on. We don't do that. He says, don't suffer as a thief. Don't suffer as an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Listen, don't think it's strange that you have entered into Kalipos, friends. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you now. I don't mean to scare anybody. This is not a scare tactic. It's a preparation tactic. And I don't have time to go into Ephesians 6, but you need to read Ephesians 6 today. What's he say? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because you're going to be against pros. Uh, let me give you this. The word against used five times in Ephesians 6. What is it? Verse 12 or 13. I'm not looking at it right now. It's one of those verses. But he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against pros. Pros means nose to nose, face to face, eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder. It means so close you can feel the breath coming off, coming out of their nose. That's how close you are. It means intimate, though not sexual. It means intimate. You're that close. You are going to be in intimate proximity, not sexual, but you're going to be close, as close as you possibly can. That's Ephesians 6, 12. You will be as close as possible to these principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness that populate the air below the mountaintops. That's the phrase in the Greek there, the heavenly places. They densely populate the atmosphere below the mountaintops, meaning you are going to run into these demon spirits in ways that you have not previously known. You're going to be nose to nose with these guys. You're going to be staring them in the eye. You're going to smell their stinky breath as they breathe on you because, again, our mandate is not looking for demons. We're not going around trying to rustle up demons. Who cares about them? Our mission is setting people free. But in order to do that, friends, I'm telling you, You're going to have to face those that have them in captivity. You're going to face their captors, those who who are holding people in check, holding ministries in check. In order to deliver these folks, you will encounter fierce, perilous, uncontrollable, unpredictable, dangerous spiritual beings. So put on your armor, friends. But don't think it's strange. That's what I'm saying. Don't think it's strange. 
Don't think it's strange. He foretold, you and I are here now. We're here now. Oh, let me give you this, though. Let me cheer you up a little bit. Come on, cheer up. Because it might get worse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, let's see here. Let me look for a couple of verses here. All right. Um, he says this, John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things. I've told you these things. You know when you you there will be no excuse that we well, we didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. No, he said, I've told you these things. So that in me, he says, you may have perfect peace and confidence. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Not the tribulation, not Jacob's trouble, but tribulations, uh, pre precursors, types and shadows. He says, in this world, you will have uh, tribulation, trials, distresses, frustrations. But he said, be of good cheer. <laughs> uh, take courage. What else? Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. You're going to need that courage, friends, because you're going to be pros against, pros against. The devil's going to try and draw you into a pele, a combat. Again, we're not looking for a fight, but as we are going to share the gospel with people, uh, certainly you will rustle up some enemies in the process. But Jesus says, I, I, I've told you this, that you can have peace in me, that you can be of good cheer. Because when you're standing face-to-face -face with the demon spirit, we can smell his stinky, nasty breath blowing on you. He says, you can be undaunted. You can have confidence. You can be certain. He said, for I have overcome the world. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says in John 16, 33, he says, I have deprived it, the world, of its power to harm you. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to the nations, friends. This doesn't have anything to do with the nations. He's not talking about to the Jews who have currently rejected him and are in their blindness right now. He's talking about to the church. He says, I have deprived them, it, of its power to harm you. And he says, I have conquered it for you. Listen, he faced Kalipos just like you and I will. There's no escaping it because we've got to go this way. We've got to go this way. We have to go the way of the head. We've got to go this way. And he's saying, listen, I set the precedent. When you come upon those hordes of hell, he said, be of good cheer, for I have already overcome the world. You know, if you, if you want to study Matthew 8, Mark's account, then you find a precedent, friends, of how you and I will navigate through this time that we're living in. I want to encourage you with this. And you say, well, that's not very encouraging. Well, Luke 10, 19, he said, behold, look. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 8.37 says, despite all this, Kalipos, perilous, we are more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I want to read one more and I'll leave you here with this. Matthew 10.16, in case you're confused. Now, you might be confused on the timetable. That's why I'm, I'm here. I'm giving you some help. Holy Ghost is helping you and I both. Recognizing what time is it? What, what time is it, friends? Where are we at on the timetable? Perilous. Kalipos. It's a precursor. Right before. We're caught up before wrath comes. But it's crazy times. Because the devil knows his time is short. Judgment's coming. Major judgment is coming. But uh, Jesus said this. Matthew 10, 16. He says, remember, it is I. Who sends you out? Hallelujah. Tell, tell somebody you're on mission today, friends. Tell, tell somebody you're on assignment today. What's our assignment? Souls. Souls. People. Souls. We're on a rescue mission. He said, it is I who send you out. Even though you feel vulnerable like lambs going into a pack of wolves. Listen, Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't left you anywhere either. He sent you out. You're here on, on a very particular mission, friends. And he's saying, listen, in the time that you are living in, you are going to feel like, metaphorically, he said, you're going to feel like a lamb standing right in the middle of a pack of wolves. But cheer up, friends. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I hope you got something out of that today.
You're going to see some stuff that's going to make you want to talk to yourself, friends. Hallelujah. But what an adventure that awaits us. Hey, if we can pray for you. Somebody says, yeah, I need some prayer after today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, friends, listen. Listen, Jesus, this is a time of miracles, demonstrations. He's going to reveal himself mighty through you, friends. His grace is sufficient for you. When you feel like crying out, Jesus, can you, can, you, can you take this from me? He's going to say, no, lean into me. Hallelujah. Be strong in my mind. Be strong in my power. But let, listen, if, if you need some prayer, it would be our honor to pray with you. Call us, 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Call us. Let us pray for you. Let us join together with you so that you can be strong in those things that you are believing God for. We'll be your prayer partner, friend. Hallelujah. Also, if you would like to participate in the podcast in some way, you want to see it get even further. We've been in 155 nations. Come on, somebody. If you want to help us get even further, then we need your help. If you'd like to support the podcast in some way, you can find out how at our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Several ways you can partner with us. Help us get the word out there. Help us get this message out there to prepare people to demonstrate the glory of God. Hallelujah. Well, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, my friends, be blessed.